welcome to the RP HealthCast by Rooney Partners. I'm your host, Jeffrey Friedman. A very controversial yet almost mainstream subject over the past couple of years has been around cannabis. Whether it's from the potential medical benefits of CBD, which was touted almost as a miracle cure for all ailments, to medical marijuana dispensaries in certain states, or to approving cannabis for recreational use like they did throughout Canada last year. The bottom line is, pot's become big business, and cannabis, CBD, and medical marijuana, it's become large tax generators for the certain states that have legalized its use. One of the interesting things about all of this is the lack of federal guidance and the actual powers that the state government has here. You see, 11 states have fully legalized recreational use of marijuana. Some states fully rejected sale, and others have more of a wait and see approach. And why this is fascinating to me is because the federal government still classifies cannabis as a Schedule I controlled substance. And what that means, this is the highest level. This puts cannabis in the same category as heroin. And to further the irony, 33 states plus Washington, D.C. have approved medical marijuana for medicinal purposes under a doctor's supervision and prescription. It's more than half the country. But the FDA, whose sole purpose is to ensure the safety, efficacy, and security of all our approved medical drugs, doesn't even approve the use of medical marijuana nor does it control any aspect of its distribution and sale. To try and make some sense of this and to break it down for us is our guest today, Anthony Noto. Anthony's an editor for Benzinga and he covers the cannabis industry. Anthony, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm, it's an honor for me to be here. Usually I'm the one asking the questions and hosting folks for podcast episodes. So it's kind of a relief to be the one in, in, the, uh, in the hot seat. Yeah. So we're going to put the spotlight on you. And, uh, but before we dive into your reporting on the cannabis industry, let's, yeah. let's keep that spotlight. Let's, let's talk about your career as a journalist and how you started even covering this industry. Yeah, well, it actually started pretty recently. Uh, last year, I actually didn't write too much about it. But last year, I, uh, I had met Tiki Barber, of all people. And I recorded a podcast with him. And he launched a company called Grove Group, which is an investment firm that works with a lot of cannabis startups and CBD startups and entrepreneurs in that space. And I just found it fascinating. And I realized that there was so much left to learn about the industry that I started looking into it more. And I developed a lot of stories in that space on my own when I was with uh, New York Business Journal. And so when I saw that Benzinga was on the hunt for a cannabis editor, I said, basically said to them, I, I can, I'm, I'm your man. So, and then they were warm enough to welcome me onto their team. And it's been great coverage ever since. I've learned a lot. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been wonderful. Yeah, I mean, the industry itself has gone through such an evolution, you know, in that time period. And as you're saying, you're learning a lot and you're living in the industry. But for those of us that are kind of outside, 
I mean, there's a ton of confusion, misunderstanding, misinformation about all of this. Yes. And so that's what I'm hoping we could do right now on this podcast is talk about the facts, right? Sure. And to do that, I want to start with some of the basics, right? So throw around some buzzwords about the marijuana industry that people don't really get. What's the difference between CBD and cannabis? Yeah, this is a conversation that happens with a lot of folks, especially those who are no offense to seniors out there who might be listening, but a lot of folks don't know the difference. And so that's a great place to start. I've, I've had this conversation with my aunts and my, my mom who, you know, they have their aches and pains and they don't want to take CBD because they're under the impression that it gets you high. And that's the difference right there. CBD doesn't get you high. It's uh, short for cannabidiol which is not a fun word to say, or it is for some folks, so they abbreviate it to CBD. And uh, that high or that state of euphoria that so many people enjoy comes from the cannabis plant, but that has THC. The CBD is extracted from that. It's put into a bunch of fun products like creams and gummies and such. And you'll hear about it from all over, from various uh, celebrities and former athletes who hawk the products that they say helps them feel better. And it's and it's true because it does make people feel better. Um, it, it's it's used to alleviate anxiety and inflammation and with little to no side effects. I actually, I don't know of any side effects that come with CBD products. Uh, personally, I don't, I don't use them because I don't have aches and pains, thank goodness. But for the folks who do, like uh, soccer stars and like Rachel Rapino and Brett Favre is into it now and uh, pro wrestlers promoted on their podcast, like it's, it works and it's not a, a, an addictive substance like some prescription anxiety medications can be. Yeah. I mean, so it's interesting. So your statement of, so it works and there's a lot of people that use it. I think one thing we have to point out is CBD is an unregulated supplement, right? Yeah. It's not approved per se by the FDA. No. And it's it's touted as a miracle cure, though, for everything from arthritis to depression to sleep disorders. And now the FDA, I don't want to say now, but over the past several months, the FDA has start, stepped in and started penalizing companies for making these health claims. Mm -hmm. Right. So can you talk a little bit about that and how we feel and a lot of people that have taken CBD and, and believe in it, how we feel it's so strongly it, it has its benefits. Yeah. Well, if, if anybody touts anything as a miracle cure, you sh it should be suspect because, you know, that's something that people have been doing for so long with the, the, the snake oil salesman, you know, that whole, that whole thing. It, it, you should be cautious. It, it shouldn't be promoted as such. So when it comes to a, it being a miracle cure, it's not, but it, it certainly is a it's a supplement. It's an, it's, it's an, in addition to the traditional things that could help with that are as serious as cancer. Have there been any FDA trials or peer reviewed reports about the benefits of CBD? No, uh, no, they just started. I think like this year they talked about it. So there are, there are currently no, well, there's, there's one we, we talked about. It. There are no FDA approved drugs that contain CBD other than, um, uh, the Epidiolex, which was approved. And that was when they had like zero other options for this particular type of condition. Um, it was, it's an oral solution for the treatment of seizures. They, they, there, there were literally no other options. So that's when the FDA was like, okay, they looked at uh, GW Pharma and they were like, 
you know, 16 week trial went well, let's approve it. And there's, there's other things that, um, CBD is used for that FDA. Um, well, let me take it back a little bit because, uh, there was an announcement in March where the FDA said they, they, they just started to advance work in CBD related products. So great. You know, 20, they had to wait till 2020. I mean, it's been what years now that people have been using it to, uh, self-medicate. So, and that's what people want is they want just more studies done. They want more federal oversight. They want it legal. It's something that both, uh, conservatives and liberals on both sides really want according to polls. So it just kind of baffles me that it, this, they had to wait till in the middle of a pandemic when these businesses were deemed essential businesses and people were flocking to their local dispensaries to, to stock up because they knew that it's, you know, they would lose it. You know, they would, they wouldn't be there. The lines would be really long, I guess. So yeah, it's just bizarre that it just took this long. Yeah. I mean, so it's fine. Okay. So GW pharmaceuticals and a Pedialex and that was FDA approved, I think in 2018 uh, or 2019 for, you know, one uh, small indication um, for seizures. And I think they've expanded that, that uh, indication. I think there's also uh, three other synthetic cannabis related drugs that, that have been approved, but again, all for very, very small, uh, indications like uh, yeah. for, for nausea with chemotherapy and there was one for anorexia. Yeah, I looked patients. into it. It, I've, it seems like they were looking for options, healthy options to boost appetites. So the science of it, I, I'll be honest, I, I haven't looked into it too much, but the science of why they approved th those particular products, it kind of escapes me. But whatever they did to disentangle the THC from the treatment, I think that's what helped the FDA process along. But to do that takes a tremendous amount of research and time. And that's the, the key here, you know, because it's medical marijuana is medical because you medicate with it. You know, it's as simple as that. I mean, people self-medicate with a lot of things. So the FDA doesn't approve medical marijuana because of the uh, euphoria it brings about. But it's, it's baffling because there are so many other legal medications that make us feel weird, you know, and it's, it, and it's just this whole... Um, they're still hung up on the war on drugs pretty much. And, and until that changes, you know, the, the stigma is still going to be with it. But I think we're, we're headed in the right direction. Yeah, I find that fascinating, the term medical marijuana. And, you know, it, it's it approved in 33 states in the country, medical marijuana. Yeah. Yet the FDA, who's in charge of everything medical, doesn't approve this. Yeah. Right? And it's, it's, a, it's a class one, you know, drug along with heroin. So it's, it's a bit, it's a bit of a hypocrisy now. Yeah. I, I've, I've spoken to so many folks um, who are in the industry and they're, they're doctors, they're investors, they're lawyers, they're financial advisors, they're accountants, there are food and culinary specialists. It, 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 just every title you can imagine that you would find in other industries, all the regular players you see crop up in other types of spaces and, and it's just like anything else. And they draw up various types of deals with each other, merger agreements, venture capital de deals. In other, other industries, no one bats an eye, but because these folks are in cannabis, it's, it, they're left at a serious disadvantage in this uh, 
there's it's a long list of things that they can't do because of this particular industry that they chose to work in. And even if you're not a user, right? I'm, I'm not a, a user in my own right, but like I just, I the folks that I've spoke to and our coverage in, on Benzinga, you, you just learn a lot. And just from the perspective of someone who lives in America, where we thump our chest at the beauty of capitalism and how anyone can create a, any business here without anyone holding them back. And it's just not true because some states have, some states have come around, like you said, the 33 states plus Washington, D.C., but only 11 of those states allow recreational use. And a lot of those states, the uh, social equity programs that are in place are faulty. Uh, in some areas it works, some areas it doesn't. So a lot of folks have trouble getting licenses and 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 that sort of thing. And it's, it's not fair, it, just from that perspective alone. I mean, considering um, what, you know, America is supposed to be about, I mean, it's just incredibly difficult to get involved in an industry like this where our viewpoints are just so different depending on what state you live in. And our neighbors to the north up in Canada, um, year and a half, two years ago, full legalization, correct, of of marijuana. Yes. Uh, um, Of of the flower, I should say. (laughs) Um, Now, what... um, what are, what are some of the things that we've been seeing from there? How has it been working? Has it increased crime? Has it, you know, have all these devastating effects that the non-legalization people here in the States are, are for, foreboding, foretelling? Have we seen that happen in Canada due to their legalization? I don't think anything about crime. I haven't seen that. Um, I, I, I think that uh, if anything, there was probably less crime because legalizing drugs is just probably the best way to um, get rid of crime. And it's funny you mentioned Canada because we just posted something today that um, throughout August, the, the cannabis industry added 46 stores across Canada. And so they have, uh, I think, close to 1,100 stores across Canada. Since the start of 2020, Canada welcomed like 430 new stores and that's a that's a pretty big growth rate it's a big growth rate and it helps out the local economies based on the taxes that uh, those stores pay from the retail yes and the, the the interesting thing about it is that there is no one dominant player okay so it, when you think of something like e-commerce there are a lot of companies that do e-commerce but amazon is the is the champ in that respect. So that, that comes to mind when people think of ordering stuff on demand. And when you think of streaming platforms, there are so many, there's literally a streaming, everybody has a streaming platform, but people Netflix and chill and people don't Hulu and chill. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's, it, there's these names that s- stick out in every industry, but with cannabis, there really isn't, it really is a level playing field a lot of mom and pop companies are just trying to hustle in their own right and, and um, get access to capital just like any other business. So because of the diversity of the states and the state laws uh, and everything's different here in the United States versus Canada, where it's federally you know, uh, approved everywhere, we have other issues such as banking and finance issues, such as taking product across states and across state lines. Um, for your supply chain. 
Can you talk about these things, especially the banking or finance issues? Yeah, and that's something that actually drew me into the space to begin with. That was something that Tiki Barber was talking about. That's why he started Grove Group, is because that these entrepreneurs and and they don't have access to traditional financing. And he's done some VC deals. He's done a couple of private equity type deals, but um, it, it's just it's tough for folks to break into this space. And that's beginning to change over the past year. Like I, I interviewed someone who is involved in lending. And her pipeline is tremendous. Like she's got a lot of activity in the works. And um, so, yeah, when you, when, you, when you disadvantage people like that in terms of entrepreneurs and in any other industry, they have the ability to seek financing from traditional banking. And in cannabis, it's, it's a lot tougher. Maybe the industry is changing or coming back again. But if we take a look at, you know, over the past year of with some of these cannabis stocks and cannabis companies. Like one company that I followed for a while was a company called MedMen. And yeah. MedMen owned uh, retail stores, as you were talking about. And walking into these types of new cannabis stores, it's like walking into an Apple store as opposed to like an old-fashioned head shop or the back of a Spencer's store. Right, right. Right? So now MedMen had an incredible rise and also an incredible fall, which has been very well documented. Can you talk a little bit about companies like this that were such high flyers and kind of how that's paralleling the industry a little bit and what's going on now? Yeah, and one of the other companies that I started writing about last year before I joined Benzinga was a company called Ianthus. And I forget the exact debt number, but I think that they're pretty saddled with that unless they find a, a financier or, or they, maybe they just file for chapter 11, who knows, but that'll really hurt a company. But this, so it varies in, in every situation, but the situation with MedMen, uh, it's not something that's exclusive to the cannabis industry. I think it's a parallel to just industries in general and the mistakes that they made are very familiar. You know, you get a company that is new, it's flashy, they brag, they scale very quickly. And then they go, well, wait a minute. And they start cutting costs and laying people off and shutting down production facilities. And that happens with a, a lot of companies in, in all types of industries. Every industry has that story. Every industry has like this dominant player, like Uber is the biggest on-demand uh, on, on taxi service. Um, WeWork wanted to be like the Uber of workspaces and or flexible work environments. But it had a lot of competition, but everybody knew WeWork because it grew like it was on steroids. And you had somebody like Adam Newman who spent money like a fool, to be honest, and the people who that had faith in him and ran those office spaces for him suffered the consequences. He gets paid, he splits. And in the end, you look at a narrative like that and you learn what not to do. And I think that was the situation. It was, I'm not saying it was exactly like that with MedMen, but it was very the early mover to a industry that makes a heck of a lot of sense may not have done the right things but had started the revolution yeah exactly okay. thank you that makes sense um switching topics before i mentioned uh we laughed when i mentioned the word flower you know up in canada there's a number of consumer brands and spokespeople right you've mentioned a couple and yeah. some people some spokes you know, spokespeople you kind of expect to be in the space, like Snoop, Snoop Dogg, yeah. and <laughs> Willie Nelson, Bob right. Riley's family. 
But as I was doing my research, there are other names that surprised me a bit. Like you mentioned Tiki Barber. I saw Whoopi Goldberg, Montel Williams, even Martha Stewart, right? So you mentioned Tommy Chong. What did he have to say? What was he like? What was your interview like? Yeah, well, to to just preface that with not not every situation is the same. Uh, Different products are geared toward Mm -hmm. different things. Because the truth is not everybody wants the high and that's okay. You know, senior citizens want something, for example, that helps them with arthritis or an athlete might want a cream that helps them recover quickly. And that's where you see folks like Rachel Rapino and and Brett Favre and uh, Tiki Barber. That's what pulls them into this space as well that, you know, because celebrities will hawk anything. Right. But when it comes from uh, an athlete where they're saying, look, we use this because this will help help prevent athletes who get injured from getting addicted to dangerous drugs. I mean, my ears perk up a little bit different, a little bit differently than I would with, um, you know, the, the average celebrity, but with, uh, Tommy Chong, that conversation, number one was easy. Like, because he, as soon as he got on the mic, he broke news that he had welcomed a grandchild into the world. So that type of spontaneity makes a conversation when you're a journalist, it's so easy to work with that and just to warm up the, the crowd a little bit. And so we don't get so businessy mm-hmm. right away. And so it was so much fun to just start it off with that. And then from there, he goes into just how much it has helped him. And for, I should say that it, it's genuine with Tommy Chong. I think he is the truest ambassador of the space. Because, you know, like I said, like celebrities will hawk anything, but he's not just another celebrity. He strikes me more as like the, like the way Stan Lee was with Marvel Comics, just a true ambassador of the space where you just, you get a different feeling hearing him talk and hearing his voice. It's just, there's a, a genuine aspect to it. And, you know, like I said, he went to jail for it. He relied on it when he was beating cancer twice and He's sharp as a tack and, and he says that he doesn't, he doesn't get high off of it. He doesn't get baked or whatever. That was all part of the comedy act and, and whatnot. What do you see going on in the U.S. market? Do you think cannabis is going to have any role, you know, and do you think uh, is it one side positive, more, more positive than the other side for cannabis legislation? Yes, because uh, Joe Biden put forward a plan. He, he has one. As far as I'm concerned, I don't think the other side has one. And I think you won't hear much talk of it going into November uh, on the on the presidential election. But you, if you zero in on certain ballots, you will see it. Like I, I started paying close attention to what they're doing in New Jersey. Um, I think that, that that's all, it's on the ballot for this year. And I think what happens in Jersey might influence New York where I'm based uh, in the years to come, hopefully 2021. Um, but yeah, I mean, the current administration is just, it's not going to vocalize a plan. I don't, I don't think, I don't know if it fits into their nativist agenda. If, if you're looking for that conversation to happen, uh, you're probably going to want to lean the other way. And I think it, it, it was clear to me when this poll came out that, um, this might not be exact. I can look it up and correct it for you. But um, most Republicans want cannabis reform um, on both the right and the left. So if that if if Biden is your president 
and that bodes well for the folks who, who want that. Um, and it's just as simple as that. Well, thank you. This has been both educational as well as fun. So I appreciate you coming on. Uh, Tony, <laughs> thank you so much for your time today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or future story suggestions, please reach out to us on social media. Thank you, and we hope you enjoyed the RP HealthCast.